But you see, then Jesus says, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to make you something you aren't now. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So Jesus just does this incredible work when we come to faith in him. And I'm so glad that people took this uh, challenge seriously because we wouldn't be sitting here today if people hadn't been fishing for souls, right? And so, uh, and some of you are great fishermen, man. You, you love to fish. And some of you, man, you're scared spitless. I mean, man, you're like, no, that's as bad as standing in front of a public crowd giving a talk. Oh, you said that didn't bother me. You're like, well, yeah, you're the pastor. It, well, it doesn't. I've always enjoyed getting up in front of crowds, but, but I didn't before I was five years old because my tongue was clipped because I, I didn't speak. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, now all I do is talk. I never shut up. But anyway, God's good. Kind of like, Lord, I'm slow of tongue. No longer. But some of you are scared of that. And you're like, you're thinking, if I've got to open my mouth, I'd rather take drugs, legal drugs. I'd rather go uh, take my chances of getting hit by cars on the middle of the interstate. I'd rather do anything than share Jesus. Well, you see, God has no other way. He has no other plan but then to use people like you and I to be the mouthpiece of the gospel. That's when we do missions at Christ Community. That's when we just went to Brazil and Mexico and Guatemala and all these other nations we go to. And that's when we go across the street and around the world and across the room because we think people matter to God. So I'm, I'm praying that you don't just go, wow, you're passionate about it, Pastor. My prayer is our body becomes infectious and passionate about the things that I'm teaching in these days. And our body is forever, eternally changed. How many want to be a part of that? You know, last service, my, that's right, last service my nephew was here. I'm, man, that is so exciting. And now I have extended family. They're, they're moving here in June from Georgia. I'm, I'm going to be much better. On, I'm going to have to not tell some stories now. No, I'm going to still tell stories. It's just I'll probably incriminate myself at family reunions. But the bottom line is, man, I'm passionate about this Jesus, and I pray you are, and I hope we're catching fire together because the church has to catch fire. Would you agree? Because, man, too many people are just they're religious and, they're, and they've been lulled to sleep. You see, after preaching in Brazil and seeing people hang their heads through bars, we weren't in prison, uh, through the windows and standing around and all the things that I talked about last weekend, man, I'm just, it's, it's, it's infected me. It's messed me up. And my prayer is that we're going to see the church become all it can be. And even right now, some of you have some people on your mind that you wish were here today, that you wish were coming with you. So I'm going to try to equip you and teach you through this. Randy has agreed with me and Jason that we're going to do uh, some classes when we get through with this on like a Wednesday night or something. We're going to try to equip people to share their faith. And then we're going to go out and do it. God forbid that we always do is just hear the word. Jesus said, don't be mere hearers, but be, but be doers. Do something. You're saying, well, man, I can't do that. Well, we're going to show you how. I mean, that's why we're doing this. So Jesus has followed me. Come to me and, and I want to do this. And it's going to be an incredible work. But see, here... We're going to talk about the book of Acts this morning. And let me tell you this about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And Acts is written, and it, you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you have Acts. And it, and, and it makes so much more sense when you read the book of Romans, because Romans is full of doctrine, and it's an incredible book of Scripture. But when you make this bridge over into Romans, it just it makes sense, because these apostles were infused with the Spirit. They were penetrated by the grace of God, and their lives were forever changed. And it's just an awesome thing. And I wrote down this. Why bother to try to convince people to accept Christ? Because salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. There's no other way under heaven by which men must be saved or to the cross or to the Father is that we come by the way of the cross. And today religions are religious cults and, and all these different movements, they're thriving, their message they're propagating their words, and they're cheap. I mean, the Koran, the Book of Mormon, oh, no, 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 man, they're, they're not the real deal. They're not Jesus Christ. 
it's like maybe some Jesus plus something, or it's not even Jesus, or he was a prophet, he was a teacher, Baha'u'llah, whatever, whatever thing that turns you on there. But God says, we have to fish. We have to. I'm so glad people were fishing 30 years ago, and 60 years ago, and hundreds of years ago, and 2,000 years ago. And I believe we're still fishing today. And some of us haven't been convinced. So my prayer is that the Spirit will persuade you and convince you and convict you and change you to become a fisher of men. Let's look at three groups of people. Look there on your outline with me. I want you to fill this out because this will uh, maybe encourage you. There's three groups of people here today. Number one, it's the group that keeps it to themselves. They go, yeah, I've got Christ. I am a Christ follower. I'm not a very good one. Or I am a good one, but I don't like to witness. And I'm not going to share anything. I'm just going to be an attender at best. Well, you know, I'm hoping that God will move you to a new level. Then there's a second group. They want to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. They are filled with God's love and His power, and they want to be a contagious witness, and they're contagious believers, and they're touching the world, they're touching their marketplace, their families. They've touched your life. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you are one of those, and that's a cool group to be in. And then there's a third group, and, and you're just not a Christ follower at this time. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I'd rather you just be gut-level honest and go, I am not a follower of Jesus. I'm a Gnostic. I'm atheist. I'm religious. But I don't follow Jesus. And our prayers in this series and in these services and when we gather and you get in small groups or you do life with anybody that's connected with this church, that you will seriously consider Jesus Christ and yield your life to him. And, and that's what I labor for every day is that people will come to know the Savior and they would walk with him. And it's an awesome thing. So the activity of the apostles is how the church that we're in today got started. If we didn't have all these uh, events going on, we, we wouldn't be the church that we are today. But we are and we can read it in the book of Acts. And there's an interesting thing as I was studying. The word witness is used 29 times in the book of Acts. The word witness is very important to God. And it should be important to us. We are living witnesses. We are a living epistle of the gospel of grace. And his mighty work works to work in us and through us as a corporate church. Would you agree with that, church? See, God wants to work through your life and through our life as a collective group that comes together called the church to do something that we can't do alone as well. But when we do it together in tandem, in spiritual giftedness, in the body, man, it's awesome. So I'm going to tell you the story kind of backwards, frontwards, to the middle. I'm going to balance you all through Acts. And I'll tell you where I'm at pretty much. But I would encourage you to at least read Acts 3 and 4 and just go ahead and read the whole deal because it's really a great book. So how does the church get started here, this activity? One day, Peter and John or to go over to the temple. The Jews would gather about 3 o'clock to go in for prayers on a daily basis over at the temple. So they, they would go over there to the synagogue and they'd do their thing. So Peter and uh, John, they go over there. And outside the temple, there there was a beggar. There was a lame beggar, and he's sitting there. And in our vernacular, he would like to have a guitar case open, and he'd be like, could you give money to the poor? Could you give me money? And he's wanting to get a collection. Well, Peter and John walk by, and they see this beggar, they see him every time they go into temple. Here's the same beggar because he has no ability to move on his own. And he just goes to try to get crumbs or that somebody will take care of him. So he, he's there. And, and Peter sees him. And, he, and I'm going to give you the reference. It's Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter says these words. And these words are phenomenal. Listen to what he says. I have neither silver nor gold, but what I do have, I will give you in the name of Jesus Rise up and walk. 
Instantly, strength went into the legs of this lame beggar, and he began to walk. He didn't only walk, he ran past Peter and John, he ran into the temple. And as he ran into the temple, he began to shout and declare that God was real, that Jesus had healed him. And they said, "By how has this happened? And he pointed to Peter. And Peter never had a problem opening his mouth. And Peter's like, man, I'm sure he's like, man, we're creating a riot in here. And at the same time, Peter's going, man, there's a commotion in here. There's a crowd. There's people that want to follow me. So there's this miracle going on in his midst. And yet, I'm thinking about us. Every time that you and I declare the name of Jesus, it calls for a response. In, in the temple, I think they got quiet. I think it was commotion. I think there was contemplation. I think there was reflection. I think there's a lot of things that went on, and there was this quietness about it. In the message of our culture, when we declare Jesus Christ, people make decisions. They get irritated, they get mad, they get angry, and they get quiet. And I don't know where you're at on the spectrum, but I was just thinking about it as I've been studying. And I want to go to Acts 4.20. You can just flip over there. We'll bounce around. But the, the apostles say, for we cannot help speaking for what we have seen and heard. They, they had seen something with their eyes. They had heard something of faith. And they had to declare it. I mean, they just, they go, we won't shut up. Man, this Jesus, he's who he said he was. He's powerful. He's amazing. And our lives should be a living witness of Jesus Christ. And we should not be silenced so easily by the crowd of this world. Would you agree, people? But we get silenced by our critics or by people that don't agree with us or they come against us. Billy Graham in a survey said that 51% of the people they interviewed said that their biggest problem in witnessing was fear of how the other people would react, how they would respond to them. And I've been doing some thinking about that. We all have some fears. I'm the, I'm the pastor. I've been running my mouth for over 30 years for Jesus Christ. In little crowds and big arenas. I, I love it. It is awesome to declare the name of Jesus Christ. It is the most excellent name. But I can tell you, I still to this day am ashamed that there, every once in a while I have been in a situation that is like, is this the time, Jesus? Is this the time to declare? Are you really, you want me to do it? Why don't you send Barry? Why don't you send Jason? Why don't you send Adam? Send God. I don't know. You know, send Joe. Send Mike. God, not me. He's like, yeah. This is the time. So, but, but God gave me a verse, and I want you to write this verse down. This is really, really good. Are you ready? It's Psalm 34.4. As I was reading this passage, this right here could help somebody today. It says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears. So whatever fear you have this morning that is gripping you, paralyzing your life, or maybe keeping you back from being a bold witness for Christ, God says, seek me. And I will hear you from heaven, and I will deliver you from your fears. So I'm thinking, God, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. And then at 4.18, he says, And then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name, in the what? Name of Jesus. You see, it's like, it's okay to raise your kids in this. It's okay to be married in this. It's okay to have table prayers. But just don't talk too much about this Jesus. You see, they're upset. They're thinking, this name. But see, I want to give this to you quickly. If you'll just write in the margin, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. And the Apostle Paul says there, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And then he goes, this is the most excellent name. And he writes all through this scripture. And he goes into the name of Jesus. And he's just saying, this name is 
supreme. The supremacy of Christ is over all things. And God's trying to tell us that this, this, is, this name is, uh, is life-changing. I remember when I first called on the name of Jesus. I always believed in him. I mean, you know, just living in Montgomery in the Bible Belt, unless you, I mean, everybody doesn't, but I didn't know him. But I, I believed he was the son of God. I believed he was good. But I didn't know him. And I would maybe refer to anything spiritual as God. But I remember when I called on that name, the name of Jesus. And when it meant something in my heart, and he came into my life, and I was born again, I was converted, I was changed. And that name took on all new significance. And for anybody to even think about blaspheming that name, I mean, that just irritates me to no end. Because that name is excellent. In verse 19 it says, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. They had to make a choice. Are we going to obey the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel of the day? Or are we going to obey God? Because God is a much higher moral or much higher authority. And they said, but we will not shut up. See, they basically believed the same thing. The, the Jewish people, they believed in God. They believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they had all this thing down. But the apostles had something different. They added to their theology, Jesus. And it made them mad. They're like, didn't we, didn't we shut him up? Didn't we do away with that Nazarene? Didn't we crucify him? Uh, oh, yeah, you did. But it didn't hold him. Death could not hold back the Son of God. So they began to declare, and then they declared it in the temple. So this really made the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin that day, they were very irritated. Because, I want to say this to you, every time you and I participate in evangelism, it upsets the devil. Because we go against the turf, the kingdom of darkness, we pray that God would transfer them into the kingdom of light. And it's an assault on darkness. So when I talk about this series, and I talk about these messages, and I talk about Jesus, I just want you to know, it's not always going to be easy. You're going to assault darkness. But it's so worth it, church. It's eternal. The souls of men and women lie in the balance. And if we don't proclaim this name, then they won't know. How will they know unless somebody goes and somebody tells them? So we must tell them. But we're intimidated. And in uh, the last weekend, I talked about the whole come and see gospel from the book of John. Jesus is a come and see king. Come and see him. Ask him. Trust him. Talk with him. Listen to him. He'll move in your life. Well, why fish? Because he tells us to. And because it matters. In Acts 4.20, it says, For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We believe it. There's no time for debate. He's God. You see, this morning, if I ask some of you, tell me about your music. Tell me about your golf game. Tell me about your running. Tell me about your wife. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your car, your hobby. You would talk till 4 or 5 this afternoon. No problem. But I said, tell me about your God. Specifically, Jesus. I'm slow of tongue. You, you would stammer. You would be scared. You would be fearful. And my prayer is that we'll somehow get over that hurdle and we'll go, Lord, I have to go with you. Fill in the blank. The apostles and disciples today declare that it's simply undeniable. I cannot not talk about him. You know, last weekend as I declared him with everything I had, this morning as I try to purpose to talk about him, as I talk to people in small groups and little meetings and Bible studies or, or, you know, arenas like this, I want to talk about Jesus because he's really the only thing that matters. I mean, you know, I mean, you could talk about national championships and you could talk about Olympics and you could talk about hairstyles and, like, that takes me very long. I mean, you, you, you could talk about all kinds of things. 
You can talk about your wardrobe and you can talk about your vehicles and on and on and on. And that, that's cool. And I enjoy a lot of that superficial talk and that's really cool. But ultimately you gotta go, man, where you at with God? How great is your God? How great is Jesus Christ? And then I want you to be here. So Christ, the Christ followers here, the apostles believe something happened in history and time and he became the centerpiece forever. His name is Jesus Christ. So there's a new fervor, intensity, and Peter and John and the apostles, and they go, I will risk my very life for him. That's awesome news in the church. They risk their life that we would have the story. And I ask us, are we willing to risk relationships, friendships, closeness, be invited to the party or whatever it is that we're scared to talk about Jesus? Because if we do, then we won't be cool. It's not about being cool, it's about being godly in Christ Jesus. And in Acts 4, 4, I love what it says, but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. I am still waiting for one of those meetings that I go to and 5,000 get instantly converted and their lives are changed and everybody's just standing around and going, God is so... I mean, and God did... I mean, they, they're speechless. How many of you would love for me to go speechless because God was doing so much? Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm longing for that. But instead, we'll talk about, man, have you seen our new bell tower? Have you seen our new church? Have you seen our new facility? Have you seen this? And, and I get excited when we built this. This is one of the first high-tech centers in the city. There's a lot nicer buildings, but as far as tech, technology, in the early years, we were kind of ahead. And we still have tried to maintain. And, and I could come here and go, man, look at our screens. Look at the lights. Look at this. This is really cool. But you know what? If it doesn't exalt Jesus Christ, let's cut it all off right now. Because it's all about Jesus. It ain't about, well, maybe I have really nice carpet. And I, I even had a time I got excited about the chairs. I mean, dude, I, I must have been bored. I mean, we got the best chairs in Montgomery. I really believe that. They're comfortable. If you don't think so, go to another church and sit in a pew. Golly, that will hurt your back. Or go sit in some of these nasty chairs that are not made for fat-friendly people. Or whatever. But I don't want to brag about chairs. I want to boast in Jesus. Because you see, I just got out of those little nasty white plastic chairs and even one of our team members broke one the other day at lunch because he, he was heavier than me. And he sat in it and it collapsed on him. It was hilarious. I mean, he's not hurt. It was just fun. I mean, you know, believe me, I wouldn't care if I tore chairs up and people come to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But let's, let's brag on the Messiah, on the Savior, on this name. And so they have this meeting and 5,000 get saved? Wow! I've never been to a meeting like that. I've seen... I was in a meeting speaking one time and I saw 1,500 people respond in two weekends to Christ and that was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. But man, 5,000? Wow! Man, how many of you want to sign up for that one? Where's it at? Somebody like, I'm not going. It'd be a crowd. Ah, whatever. Okay. I'll get back to the text. Acts 4 or 5. So the Sanhedrin thing. See, the Sanhedrin had just condemned Jesus to die months before. And now they're like, you're still talking about the dead Nazarene. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Because he's God. Acts 4, 7. Then Peter and John brought before them, began to question them about what power or what name? There it is. Name. Did you do this? Adam sang about this name. I'm trying to declare this name. This is the, the deal force. Uh, Acts 4, 10. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I have nothing else to tell you. This is the name that forgives sin. This is the name that gives peace. This is the name that gives comfort when you bury your child. As a precious family did on Friday. This is the name that gives hope and comfort when you're on the ventilator in the hospital. This is the name that gives you peace when you miscarry your child. 
This is the name when you get a divorce you weren't looking for and your life is broken. This is the name that helps you when your kid breaks your heart or you break your kid's heart or your spouse's heart. This is the name. Isn't it amazing how quiet it got when we just talked about the name above every name? The presence of Him. Um, this morning, I've got it here. Open up your worship guide. You've got it open, hopefully taking notes. Did, did you see your card? They're blue and green. Would, would you just take those out and hold them up? Please, I hope you all got them. Please hold those up. You know why I did this? Did everybody not get one? Yeah, most of you are holding them up. You're saying, man, that is so cool. Oh, good. Don't leave it here. Okay, here's the deal. This is to take with you. This could be a witness. I invite you to put them on your computer screen at work. Put it on your visor, your speedometer there in your car. Carry it with you. Memorize it. Meditate on it. I mean, Adam and them designed this. This is so stinking cool. I mean, if I wrote it out, y'all couldn't have read it. It'd be like, is that Hebrew or Greek? I mean, I write horribly. Don't say anything. And uh, but 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 this right here is so well done. It's professional, and I think it just stops people's attention to look at it. And then if they read it, and they're like, "Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given by which men must be saved." Man, that's a salvation statement in the church. Will you memorize and meditate on this this week? Carry it with you. I'll give you another verse next weekend, possibly. I hope you'll do this this week. I hope you'll begin to put this in your arsenal of sharing your faith of Jesus Christ. So Peter and John here says, by the name of Jesus, in 4.12, so salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name. No other name but Jesus. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not whoever. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus, we love you. It's an absolute truth that I have to declare from this platform, but we have to live with in our hearts and share with other people. It's like this. The policeman, if he stops you, he goes, I stop you in the authority of the law. And you go, nah, 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 catch me, and you leave. No. And then our mayor has gotten so smart, he went and got these cameras. I've been thinking about these cameras. Are there any, are there any hey, there's not many kids in here. Okay, if I can get away with it, this service. Okay. Pastors become the much better driver. You see... That is good. My wife has prayed for that. See, when I see a yellow light, it usually means, I just gotta tell you, I look really hard. I look left. I mean, look left, right. That, that was your left. Okay, I was doing, I look left, right. I look both ways a couple times. I'm really looking hard. And then I kind of accelerate, you know, to go. Now we've got all these sticking cameras all over Montgomery. I'm like a 15 year old. You remember when you were 15? And you didn't know whether to accelerate or stop, you know? If you don't, you have that to look forward to it. Okay, anyway. I mean, dude, it's like there are certain intersections now. I'm paranoid because I do not want to be caught on camera running through a yellow line. It's a cool thing. But see, the law has the authority. Oh, let's carry it to a spiritual illustration. Jesus Christ is the authority of heaven. And he, he wants to do something marvelous in our life. And we go, Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. And he says, if Jesus says, be a fisher of men, then Jesus, I'll be a fisher of men. I'm going to follow you. And, and there's boldness here. And I, I just, I get excited about this authority thing because I go, there's no other name to uh, be excused from judgment or sin but the name of Jesus. That, I mean, that name is sweet. I'm amazed how many people can't say that name. Religious folk never say that name. God, yeah, I mean, I love God. You know, man upstairs. Who is the man upstairs? Is that the booger bear or something? I mean, that's just weak. His name is Jesus Christ. Can we say that together? Jesus Christ. Don't you love that name? When you say that name, I promise you, you walk in a room and say that name not swearing, but in a, in a reverential way, 
Man, it'll stop people in their tracks. Like, man, what is this? It's not a theological doctrine and debate. It's a Lord to live with. See, John and Peter says, hey, we stuck our heads in the empty tomb. He's alive. He reigns. He rules. You religious followers, man, y'all don't get it. And he's quoting Psalm 118, 22 and other messianic uh, prophetic passages and here in the book of Acts. And he's like, man, y'all have handed him over, but you couldn't kill him. And look at the blank with me. Here it is. Uh... The Sanhedrin thought that they'd finished with a prophet from Nazareth. And now his followers were telling everybody, everybody they were telling him, Jesus is alive. He's well. He's real. He's whole. He, he lives forevermore. This salvation is a, a present tense kind of thing. It's a, it's a now God. He is now in me. He is now the hope of glory. He is now alive. There's no more reason to make sacrifice with animals. Because he's once and for all finished it and he's made propitiation and atonement for my sin. And we've talked about that many times, how awesome that is. Because there's no other name by which we must come to God. In Acts 4.13, Bill with me. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note. These men had been with Jesus. I have marveled on this passage for over two decades. It's one of my favorite passages in the books of Acts. The book of Acts. I, I just love it because it says that when we're with Jesus, he does something. He does something eternal. And so I wrote down three words that I want you to write down on your worship guide. When you are with Jesus, people will notice, they will take note that something is different. When you and I are not with Jesus, they will take note. They probably just won't tell you. They might avoid you. And then when I'm with Jesus, I find that these things happen. See, if the first one, one is change. There is change in my heart. There's change in my speech pattern. There's change in my countenance. There's just life change because of being with Jesus. And that happens for you. Secondly, there's an added compassion that comes. When we're not compassionate, you can almost mark it. They've not spent time with Jesus because Jesus is the Lord of compassion. So Jesus brings about change. He brings about compassion. And the third thing, I thought this was cool. You become courageous. Jesus brings courage. He gives you courageous abilities to be a witness for Him. And you're saying, well, I can never do that on my own, but when I'm with Him, I don't have to argue theology anymore. I just say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is my life. Jesus is Lord. And in the blank, it says, Peter and John were bold witnesses because of their time with Jesus. We have the courage and confidence in approaching God and other people. I can go right to the throne of glory because of my relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, and I can come into the throne, into the Holy of holies because of Jesus. But I can not only approach God, I can approach other people with confidence based on the merit of Jesus. That is an incredible thought of what I just said, if, if you called it. So boldness comes from the resurrection. He's who he said he was. He, he was raised from the dead gloriously to the throne of heaven. God, thank you for this. And, and this enraged the Sadducees because they didn't even believe in the resurrection from the dead. And then they're like, man, we're ticked off. You're talking about Jesus, name them on the resurrection. Oh, y'all, this is huge stuff. And then there's boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. Anytime when we come to Christ, Christ seals us, marks us with the Holy Spirit. Then there's a whole other deal about being filled and empowered and, and all that God wants to do. And you empty yourself and you surrender your will and your life. And it's a continual process and there's continued filling. And that's what I'm praying for is that we walk among a fellowship of filled with the Spirit believers. And the church said, it is huge when we're filled with the Spirit. When we're filled with the flesh, everybody knows it. And we stink. 
But when we're filled with the Spirit, we're mighty witnesses. So the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, and then there's boldness in the name. There it is, the name of Christ. And that name gives the power to heal, it gives the power to save, and it gives the power to deliver. In the last service, we had two men that have just gotten back from a rehab, drug, Christian treatment ministry. And I wish you could have seen them this morning. They are glowing. They are on fire for God. I just got through talking to them after the last service. It is so awesome. There's a young woman in our church right now. She's down in that same place. She's receiving, we pray, power, healing, deliverance in the name of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Can I tell you something? The treatments of this world don't work. You know, I tricked, I, I tricked a family member one time in going to a, a rehab for alcoholism. Actually, I got to confess to you, I lied to him. Because we couldn't, I mean, he was out of control. And I intervened, and I lied to him, and then I had to tell him I told him a lie. I mean, that, that was never a good thing. I can't believe I just told you all that, but I did. And, I, and I, we got him in a 30-day f- facility. Nothing happened. He played the game. It was so sad. And after that, I said, God, first of all, I'm not going to lie. Forgive me. Secondly, I'm never going to put anybody in a facility ever again unless they want to go. So let me just tell you this. If you have a friend that needs some kind of help, until they reach the bottom and they want to cry out to Jesus and they want to get help, they're not going to get help, friend. One time I was, I was a student pastor for almost 20 years and I was, I had these two tw- twin girls came in one day. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. I had these two twin girls that came in my office and man, they were gorgeous and really cute and messed up. And they came in and, and their mom walked out of the room and they looked at me and they said this. We want you to know our mom is an absolute idiot. Went, hmm. And we don't even want to be here. And I stood up and I said, girls, I'm very busy. Your mom's not an idiot. Your mom's concerned for you. And you girls are so messed up. And I said, tell you what, why don't you just get up right now and walk out and say, he wouldn't see us. I said, unless you want help, I don't have time. Those girls came under conviction, started weeping, started crying. We got them into a nine-month treatment. They are seriously delivered in Jesus Christ. Sometimes you just got to tell people the truth, don't you? But we want to sugarcoat, make it all easy. You can't, I, I don't know. Was that for somebody in here? Is there somebody dealing with deliverance? Okay, all right, here we go. So, listen, boldness in the name. Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, Acts 9.28. It's right there on your outline. It's a powerful passage. Because there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The unique claim made 2,000 years ago is still true this morning. Jesus Christ saves Jesus Christ changes lives. He's a resurrected one. His name is, in, is the name of the entrance into the fellowship with God. And we can't have fellowship with the Father except through Jesus Christ. And we don't have fellowship with Him until we come to know Him and have our sins forgiven. So there's this thing that God stirs our heart, this supernatural work of the Spirit. He begins to change us. And God says, I long to have a connection, you with me and me with you. And that's my prayer for all of you that are here today, that you're connected to God in Christ and you're walking with Him. But you don't keep it to yourself and become a mere attender, but you begin to share that with your other friends and your colleagues and your family members. And yes, I understand it's very hard to share with your family. I could do a whole message about sharing Christ with your family. Maybe I will one day when my nephew's out of town. Okay, all right, here we go. Um, But I'm reminding you of this this morning. We need to fish. Jesus says, come follow me. And I'll make you, what? Fishers of men. So it's this is pretty much what I got. It's kind of a hard message. It's a tough message. It's a challenging message. It's a celebratory message because it's all about hope in Christ. 
um, I'm just praying this morning that we're going to say, Lord, I want to express my heart to you, and I want to get after your business, and I want to follow you. And some of you are following hard after God this morning. I want to just celebrate you, and I want to say, that's awesome. And some of you, you know who you are? Man, you're not following. If you are, it's like, man, you're like 27 steps behind everybody else. So I'm praying I'm going to give you a little nice kick in the butt, excuse me, in the pants, and go. I mean, do you, would y'all rather be sugar-coated or just tell you what I really feel from Scripture? You know, i, I got to tell you the truth. i got to answer for all this one day. Yeah, I've preached thousands and thousands and thousands of messages and teachings in the last 30 years. i got a lot. You know, Jesus said one day, every idle word that comes out of your mouth, oh, I mean, that ain't just me teaching. That's all the other stuff, too. But y'all take this calling seriously. And I've got to give you what I think God tells us. And my prayer is that we don't become mere hearers, but doers of the word. We don't just fall on deaf ears. I pray that somehow you're falling more in love with Jesus today than you ever have. Do you remember when you first met him? Do you remember when you called on Jesus where you were, what you were doing, the state of your life? I do. And I want it to be more passionate today than it was 30 years ago. And I'm praying that your walk with Christ is so infectious that it um, touches the world that you live in in your environment. And some of you have an incredible opportunity. Matter of fact, I said last weekend, we're all perfectly positioned to have a great witness for Christ. God has you in the neighborhood you live in. You shop at the stores you shop at. You trade with the people you trade with. You work. You go to school. You do life. You play ball. You do activities with the people that God has put you in their world. And I'm just asking us, let's step it to the next level. Have I ever told them about Jesus? Well, that's a preacher's job. No, it's not. It's the body of Christ's job. Would you agree with that? And we need to do it together in partnership. I mean, some people, they come in like, well, I know he's going to talk about God. Well, yeah, but how about you? Would you open your mouth? It, it, it's an awesome thing. And, and I've learned this in following Jesus. There's no greater joy than leading somebody to Christ. It's been an absolute passion of my life. And in these days... I don't know how I'm doing this. The last service, I was like, slam up. But I just got to tell you this. This is just free material. Um, we're, we're just not seeing people come to Jesus. I don't know how many people we're telling. So I'll pray you'll join me because this series is not intended just to fill a preaching schedule for me. This schedule is intended that we might be witnesses of the Most High God and walk in the power of God. So I just pray that we'll begin to speak and we'll partner together. And I'm going to talk about that in the next, I think, I think next weekend I'm talking about, am I talking about fishing buddies next weekend or muddy water? Fishing buddies. We're talking about fishing buddies. That'll, that'll give you hope next weekend, okay? Be here. You don't want to miss that. Well, you're saying, wow. I, uh, you know, it's just, somebody says, yeah, I go to both services. Not many of them, just a few people do that. And they're like, you preach different messages. I know. I'm just that way. Because I can't remember what I preached the last time. No. Right now, though, would you consider giving your heart to Jesus this, uh, Sunday morning? Or would you consider being a witness? I'm going to invite Mike or whoever, some of the elders maybe to go to the cross. I'm going to invite some of you just to get up and just walk over there and go, you know, uh, here's, here's the first challenge. You know that you've been convicted today because I got real with you. And you're not a very good fisherman at all. But you want to become one. You ought to just walk over there right now and let people pray for you. And here's why I want you to go. In going, you're declaring that I want to be accountable. I want to fish for men. 
So would somebody just get up by your chair right now and just walk over there? Nothing weird's going to happen. You're not going to disappear. You're just going to walk over there and say, I want to be a witness. So some of you need to do that. You just need to walk over there. And the second group is you just need to give your heart to Jesus Christ and go, Lord, I need salvation. And there's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. So let's pray for that. Father, I thank you for this morning, for this fellowship, and it is sweet and it is blessed. But, Lord, I pray for the waters of baptism and I pray for the waters of changed lives to swirl and move all through this room and through this campus. So right now, even today, Lord Jesus, would you save some? Would you add to the number of God? Right now in your heart, if you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord or you don't know that you're saved, would you just cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I call on you. Would you save me? Cleanse me by your blood. Dwell in me and be my Savior and my Lord. Take my life. I give it to you right now. Now, with that prayer, would you just raise your hand high if you just meant that. You just said, you know what, I'm in it today. You just raise your hand. Anybody do that? God, God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She's bold, man. She just said, you know what, I want to give my heart to Jesus. God bless you, man. May your tribe increase 400,000 fold in this place. And for the others, I just pray you'd say, you know, I want a new holy fire. Y'all, this is part of the gospel, but it's a huge part of the gospel, evangelism. And I pray that our church would be known as the soul-winning church of the King. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our time. Give us a great day and bless those we love and do life with in Jesus. Amen. Jason McHenry is going to share with us.